Last thing, and then uh, I'm actually off stage today, so you don't have to hear me. And if it was me that scared off some of the people last week, Jake, thanks for clapping. That's really rude. Um, then, uh, then I'm taking a break this Sunday, and we have a really good friend of mine that is up here. His name is Chris Amaro. Would you guys give him a round of applause as he comes up on stage? So Chris, uh, Chris is the lead pastor of Redemption Church West Mesa. If you're not familiar with Redemption Church at all, we're one church, but we have 10 congregations across the state. Chris is one of the lead pastors of, of one of those 10. And so their congregation, actually, will you talk a little bit about just the, the demographics of your congregation, who they are, and what that looks like? Yeah, the first thing I want to do is apologize for Vince and his racism. He thinks all white people look the same, so sorry about that. <laughs> We're a, like, a multi-ethnic church, so we're used to being around different kinds of people and seeing different faces. But I'm just messing with they you. They both have brown hair, too. So <laughs> Amanda and Emily, I apologize. I, just, I know he was embarrassed, so I had to dig it in a little more on him. <laughs> that's my bad. Yeah, that's my bad. Oh <laughs> uh, Yeah, but we're a multi-ethnic church. We, uh, we're about 65% Hispanic, and we do uh, a bilingual service there. So we'll do a... a I'll, I'll normally I'm preaching with someone right next to me, so I'm used to this right here. Yeah. Except I have to pause and wait for them to translate into Spanish. So, so I'm going to do, I'm gonna do Spanish today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Lo siento. It, it feels. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> kidding. So that's the racial insensitivity. Yeah, there right it is right, right there. About. It's just already. I don't know what I'm doing. Yes, um, but I'm excited yeah. to speak without a translator. I feel like. You know, a, a dog up. off the leash or something. Right. I, don't, I don't know what to do up here. That's right. <laughs> so we're going to pray for Chris. Uh, we're really thankful for the work that they're happening or that God's doing down in West Mesa through their congregation, through uh, Pastor Chris, Pastor Josue, Pastor Joel, uh, and their whole crew. So let's bless them. Let's pray for them. And then, honestly, we're really excited to hear from him uh, in the text today. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, one last time, God, we just entreat you to be with us in your presence with us. God, I pray that the power of God through the power of the Holy Spirit uh, would be upon and in and through Chris as he brings the word to us this morning. God, would you shape us and form us? We know at the end of the day, it's nothing Chris says or that we do. It's all about your work in our hearts. And so we pray that you would move in power and make us more like Jesus through the preaching of your word. Bless him, shape him, uh, even as he preaches, as he shapes us. Lord, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, I appreciate that prayer. Hey, uh, so as we've been going through the book of Acts, what we see is that this is the God sending out his church into the world, right? Jesus ascends up into heaven, and, and before he does that, he sends the church to be his witnesses from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And, and they, were, they were called to witness boldly in the midst of trial and suffering and persecution and difficulty. And that's what we begin to see in this text today. Uh, they're, they're praying for bold witness, to be bold examples in the midst of upcoming trial, and, 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 and they pray for boldness. And, and so this text has been really near and dear to my heart this week. I've been praying through it a lot. I remember getting and uh, starting to just study it on Monday, and, and, and I was just feeling fear and anxiety over just, just things going on. And, and I, I just started praying through this text. This is a great text to, to encourage you, to give you hope in the, in the midst of anxious times. 
right? And if we're honest, if we're, we know that these are anxious times. They're fearful times. They're, they're polarized times. Everywhere you go, you hear, you know, right and left or left wing, right wing. Everyone's angry. Everyone's debating everything. And, and, and it begins, this text even helps us begin to ask ourselves, how do we re- remain effective and bold witnesses in this, this time where everything's so polarized, right? You can't even go to a restaurant and think, oh, what political statement am I making by eating this chicken, this delicious chicken sandwich, <laughs> right? <laughs> you can't go to a restaurant without that. It, you're going to watch, probably many of you are going to watch the Oscars tonight, and you're going to hear about political statements, Left and right and right and left. It's just in front of you. And so this, this text can be a text where you can kind of shut off the CNN or the Fox News and know that i got to stop listening to the talk radio and, and I need to go to this text. Right? When I'm feeling anxious because I just keep feeding all this, this division, this divisiveness. I, I need to go to this text and, and pray to, to also to be, to be shaped, to be this bold effective witness for Christ, to, to be able to be more concerned about loving my neighbor than arguing political points. That's what you're going to see in this text. And let me just say a little bit about Redemption West Mesa is we're living in, in scary times at Redemption West Mesa, and that's why I, I hit my knees and, and I've been just praying through this. As I said, 65% of our churches is Latino, uh, many of them are immigrants, and some of them, not all, are undocumented immigrants, uh, which is it's a, it's a scary time for us a, as a church, as a people. Uh, you'll, sometimes you'll hear this statement where people say, well, if you're, if you're legal, you don't have anything to worry about. That, that statement really hurts and upsets us because whether we're legal or not, wh- whether someone's legal or documented or undocumented, it, this is still scary times because this is our family. These are our friends, right? These are our neighbors. So, so and I'm not trying to make a political statement left or right. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying this is the reality of the times we live in. It's anxious times. It's fearful times. And, and so even, so whatever you're, you're going through, whatever anxieties, whatever fears, whatever troubles you might be facing, this text is here to encourage us. This text is here to to teach us how to pray so we can be bold and effective witnesses in light of the sovereignty of God. And that's what we're going to see. All right. So this text starts in 423. And you see it says here, and leave your your Bible open. I want to refer back to the text as we go. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So here's. Uh, Peter and John, they're released, and they get back, and they, and they tell everyone what's just happened. And, and we see what had happened to them the last couple weeks as we looked at chapter 3 and chapter 4. And so I want to just give you a quick recap of what's happened. And I, try to, I want to try to give you the recap through the, the eyes of Peter's. Peter, how would he have said it? Right? So I, I imagine him, you know, they're, they're running in. They're, you know, they're out of breath. They come into the room. You guys will never believe what, what just happened this last couple days. We went down to the temple. It was, the, it was 3 p.m. We went to pray. And do you remember that guy who's always at the, the beautiful gate, and he's, he's asking for alms? Well, John and I, we saw him. And I don't know what it was, and it, it, the Spirit was just telling me I needed to look at him. So we, we went up to him. He's begging for alms, and we say, 
hey, hey, look at us. And we look at them in the eyes. And, and I don't know what it was. The, the Spirit was telling me I needed to tell them to get up and walk. So I told them, hey, I don't have any gold or silver. But, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he walked. And after he walked, he was, he was jumping. And, and this is a 40-year-old guy who, who had never walked. He's born lame. But, and so he's running around. God, God did this amazing miracle, and he's causing a commotion. And he runs into the temple. And, and now all this crowd's gathering. They're wondering what's happening. We're, and they're looking at us, and we're just like, hey, chill out, man. It was, it's not like we did this. Don't look at it like, like we're, we got superpowers. This is, this is Jesus who did this. So he's reminding them. And, and, and so this crowd's gathered, and, and, and we, begin, we begin preaching the gospel as Jesus instructed. We're, we're talking about the repentance and for, for, for forgiveness of sins, and, and uh, you'll have your sins blotted out, and times of refreshing may come if you, you'll repent, repent, trust in Jesus. And then suddenly, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders, they came, and they arrested us. They locked us up. We don't know what's going to happen. We're, we're afraid. We're, we're, we're sitting in that jail. We, didn't, we did not sleep last night. We were praying all night. Remember, the, this is the same folks that, that crucified Jesus. So we're thinking, man, it's over. You know, if we're going to go out, let's go out with a bang. Let's go boldly. Let's proclaim the, the word of the Lord. And, and the next morning, we, we stood before them, and they threatened us, and they looked at us in the eye, and they told us, no, to not, don't be talking about the resurrection of Jesus anymore. But we said, hey, we, we can't do that. We need to obey God. And they set us free. Right? And so then you see their response to how amazing that was. Right? These guys were staring death in the eye. They could have been crucified, but they were set free by the same folks who killed Jesus. So now we see their prayer. Their response, because this is a, a response to an amazing event. This is an amazing thing. This is a miracle that, that God uh, allowed them to be set free. This was God protecting them. So there's four markers in their prayer for boldness, and we'll just kind of go through them. But the first thing we see is that it's found in Acts 4.24. Or it's in, uh, yeah, 4.24. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together and said, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. So the first thing, they, the first marker of this prayer is that they acknowledge God as sovereign Lord and creator of heaven and earth. Right? They, they acknowledge the sovereignty of God, that, that he is supreme ruler, that he is possessing ultimate power, that God is able to act independently without any interference. That's what they're talking about. They're, right? they're magnifying how powerful God is. And he's Lord, he's master, he's supreme authority, he's king of kings and Lord of lords, seated on the throne. They're acknowledging these great truths. And, and not only that, but he's, he's the creator. He's the creator of heaven and earth. All things are created by him and for him. They have a big view of God. And I want to give you a little quote from Tim Keller. Here's what Tim Keller says. They do not simply ask for boldness, but they actually heal their fear by meditating on the attribute of God most antithetical to their fear. You hear that? They don't, they don't simply ask for boldness, but they actually heal their fear by meditating on the attribute of God most antithetical their fear, to their fear. Right? So, so they know suffering, trials, tribulation, persecution is coming. 
Jesus has told them, hey, they hated me. They're going to hate you. They know this is coming. And, and so you've got to imagine, like, there's a little bit of fear there. Now, how do they deal with it? And similarly, we all experience fears, whether it's fear of, of failure, right? It's, it's real, fear of failure. I'm afraid to fail. Some people give up because they're afraid to fail. Some people are extremely dri- driven because of their fear of failure. Some people have a fear of, of rejection. Some people have a fear of, of the future, what's to come. What's going to happen with, with my job or, or with my kids or will I ever get married or, or, or what, what's my job going to be like? How am I going to finish college? How am I going to pay these loans? Right? We all have fears and anxieties and stress and worries. And this text shows us that we need to take them to our sovereign Lord. Right? Our sovereign Lord, our master, the creator of heaven and earth. And so... What we need to learn to do is to not to do what they did. They didn't focus on their fear. They're not praying, hey, hey, God, stop this from happening. Don't let them do this or that to us. They're, pray- they're, they're going straight to their sovereign Lord. So they're actually healing their, their fear as they, they focus on, on the sovereignty of God. And that's how we're going to heal our own fears is by meditating on the Lord. Uh, too often we spend our time thinking about, right? We spend our time thinking about the fears and anxieties and the worries and things to come. We're, we're focused here on all of our stuff instead of, uh, instead of the Lord. And so what we're doing is we're just feeding that fear. We're just feeding that fear. And, and, and I don't know if you guys know anything about how the brain works, but you're actually forming anxious neural pathways. There's something that, that, that I've learned that uh, neurons that fire together wire together. So, right, so the more you focus on your, your anxiety and fear, you're actually creating neural pathways in your brain that are going to feed the fear. So one way you can think about it is, is that if you're going through a jungle and there's no path and you just go through it once, it makes no difference. The way you form a, a path is repeatedly going through that same pathway and, and clearing the leaves with the machete. And, and eventually you see a, a worn pathway where nothing grows, where it's been walked hundreds and thousands of times. But that's what happens in our brain. When we focus on the anxiety, we're creating neural pathways. And we, we might have already formed those things in our life. And sometimes it's, it's hard to change those because that path has been walked over way too many times but the way we begin to heal that is we form new pathways we, we begin to focus and meditate and pray and and worship God for who he is sovereign Lord and creator remembering how great our God is and as we do that right and we're, I'm not walking that path anymore I want to renew my mind I want to stay away from that path it begins to grow over and, and I'm forming new healthy patterns this way so that's what they're doing Right? They're, they're focusing on the sovereignty of God, and they're creating these, these new healthy neural patterns, new ways of thinking. That's why the Bible talks about renewing your mind. That's all renewing your mind is. You're creating new pathways, new patterns, new habits, so that you're not conformed to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I'd encourage you to, that's, that's what they're doing, and it's curing their feel, fear, and, and it's going to enable them to be bold in the midst of difficulty that is to come. 
And the next thing we see in verse 25, we, they, they, they say, Who threw the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in their city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. The second thing they acknowledge is that opposition to Jesus and his plans are useless. Right? They're renewing their mind in this truth. Opposition to, to Jesus' plans and Jesus himself is useless. If you know anything, this, this verses 25 to 26 is quoting Psalm 2, 1 through 2. David wrote this psalm as a prophecy of, of the anointed one, Jesus Christ. So all of the Old Testament is speaking about Jesus Christ. That's one of the things uh, in those 40 days before Jesus ascended into heaven, he spent those 40 days teaching his disciples about the kingdom, uh, about preaching rep repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and also how all the psalms and the, lo the law and the psalms and the prophets were pointing forward to him. Everything in the Old Testament was talking about Jesus. And so they're, they're quoting this, this psalm that, that, that David wrote, and they're saying this, this is, David was talking about Jesus, the future Messiah, who would be opposed by both Jew and Gentile. Right? He was opposed by the Jewish folks. He was, he was uh, opposed by the, the Romans who, who crucified him. And he was opposed by rulers. He's talking about kings and rulers. He's talking about Herod Antipas and Pontius Pilate who opposed Jesus. But we're also being reminded that, if you notice that, those who oppose Jesus, it's all in vain. That's what it's saying. It's in vain. Vain means empty, fruitless, useless. It has no effect. It's foolish and futile to oppose Jesus because nothing can stop him. Standing against the Lord is in vain. It, it reminded me of this story when I was, I was probably like third or fourth grade. I had this friend, uh, Antonio, and he had an older brother named Ralph. And Ralph was, I mean, a big old dude. He was kind of the bully in the neighborhood. Uh, and there was a lot of bullies in my neighborhood. <laughs> uh, and I remember him, one time I'm at the bus stop, and he's making fun of my shoes. Now, if you, I grew up in kind of a, a poor area in a barrio, in the ghetto. And one of the things about living there is one of the status symbols uh, of, is shoes. And later on, it becomes cars as you grow up. But it's shoes. It, you got to have your kicks right. If your kicks ain't right, you're going to get clowned. And so I was getting clowned. I was at the bus stop one morning waiting to get picked up uh, for school. And this dude's making fun of my shoes. I was wearing some shoes from Kmart, some XJ9000s. Humiliated. Right? Everyone's laughing at me. It even caused me to get a job when I was in fifth grade just so I could get shoes. So I didn't have to get in fights. Well, he was making fun of me. I, I run home. I'm all upset. And my stepdad was in there, and I tell him, hey, this kid's making fun of me. And, and he says, well, then go hit him then. That's great, great advice, right? Great parenting advice. So I, I, I knuckled up. I stormed out to that, to that bus stop. And I got there, and I just started swinging, just going at this dude. But he was way bigger than me, so it was literally, he had his hand on my head. And I'm just swinging in vain. All my efforts were useless to, to you know, I'm picturing, I'm going to drop this dude, and I'm going to pound him out. 
But it was useless. It was in vain. I couldn't do anything. This kid was way too big for me. And that's how opposition to Jesus is. It's vain. It's useless. Uh, Even greater, right? Nothing can compare to, to, uh, to God's power. So we can take comfort in that. Right, we got to take comfort in that. We got to think about that. Now, why is it in vain? Well, we're here in verse 28. It tells us because God's plans are predestined. God's plans are predestined. What that means is God writ- wrote the plans before the foundations of the world were laid. Nothing can change God's plans. He decided how it was going to go. God knew everything beginning to end. He he knew that he would send his son Jesus to, to accomplish those plans. He knew later on that the Holy Spirit would come to apply those plans to the hearts of people. But sometimes it doesn't appear like that God's in control. And, and sometimes you ask, like, what is going on? Where's, where's God? I'm, I'm sure the disciples were asking that. If you remember, when Jesus is arrested, they, they take off running. One of them even takes off running naked, if you remember the book of Mark. He's running naked. They're running for their life as Jesus is arrested. Peter, the one who swore he wouldn't deny Christ, denies Christ. They think it's all over. They think, man, where's God? Did he, did, did he mess up here? How, how is it that our Lord, our Lord is, is over here dying on a cross? This doesn't make sense. Where's God? And Jesus is reminding us that that, that was predestined. No one took Jesus' life. He, he laid down his life. And so all, uh, all things are predestined by God. And so we can, we can take comfort in that truth. La- last night, I watched the movie. Uh, uh, it was called The Birth of a Nation, if you can call that. Man, it was, it was difficult to watch. You should watch it, even though it's difficult. And one of the scenes, uh, a slave master demands to sleep with one of the slave's wives. And when, you know, his wife comes out, she's crying, and, and, and he grabs his wife, and he looks to Nat Turner, who was the, kind of the, was the slave preacher, and says, where's God? Where's God? And, and I can't even imagine being in that situation. We don't, I, I can't say we have any, I can't. Say, for me, I have anything that compares to that. No, no difficulty that compares to that. But sometimes in life, we can ask, where's God? Where's God? It, it almost feels like he's abandoned. Like he doesn't know what's going on. Has he left me here? Has he, has he forgot about me? But this text is reminding us that, that God has predestined all things. And so we can remember God's promises when he says that he promises to work out all things for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We can, we can remember and we can believe those promises even when it doesn't feel good. We know we have to believe that. We know that God is there and take comfort in that and draw near to God. It even reminds me of, of the movie Crash. I watched Crash this week, too. So every time I watch a movie, I try to find an illustration out of it. But uh, if you watch the movie Crash, uh, you see, while you're going through it, you, don't, you see all these different kind of stories, and you don't know how it's going to work out. When you're, when you're watching the movie, all you see is a little bit before and, 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 and behind. But I love how the movie gives us, uh, there's like a bunch of times where it gives us this like bird's eye view. It even ends with this bird, bird's eye view. 
And at the end of the movie, you see how it all comes together and all the stories tie together. It's, a, it's an excellent movie. But that, that, it, helped me, it reminded me of how, how it is for us in life. Sometimes we're going through life, and all we see is a little bit of in ahead and a little bit behind. But God sees the bird's eye view. Right? He sees it all, and he's, he's, he's orchestrating the story. He's orchestrating. And the good news is for, for believers that he's orchestrating those things for your good. Even evil, God can use for good. So we can take comfort. We can take comfort in Christ and his sovereignty. I want to read Isaiah 46, 9. This is one of my, one of my favorite passages. It says, starting in verse 9, it says, Remember the former things of old. Remember. Right? This, is a, this is the idea that I'm trying to tell you of, of forming neural pathways, of, of creating new patterns of thinking. You need to remember. Remember. Spend time every day, especially when you're in difficulty or you're feeling anxiety and suffering. Remember, remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east, and a man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. All right, that's the word of the Lord. God will keep his plans for you. We can trust him. We can trust our sovereign Lord and, and creator, even when vain attempts are made to oppose him. And then they go to verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So they have two requests here. Two requests. They pray for, for boldness, and they pr pray for signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. Healing and signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. Their prayer for boldness shows that they've, they've decided to disobey the commands of the religious leaders and that they will continue to, to preach the word and boldly to preach the good news of the gospel, to live as, as witnesses for Christ Jesus. And whatever may come their way, they're determined to fulfill God's commission on their life. And then they're praying for signs and wonders to, to validate their words, that people would continue to be saved and healed and, and lives would be transformed, that people would be continually added to their number and, and, and more events even like this that just happened with Peter would happen. That people would be saved and, 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 and just miracles would happen. Notice there's no request for protection. There's no prayer for health, wealth, and prosperity. They're not praying for safety and comfort and easy and comfortable life. They're not praying for the path of least resistance. They're not praying for God to, to stop anything. They're totally and completely focused on the mission that God has for them. If I'm honest, most of my prayers are more self-focused, right? God, God, do this for me or help me or, you know, if I, I mean, we're honest. That's what we're, we're thinking about more. But they, they have their eyes on, on the right thing. They, they know that their, their home is not here on earth, but in, in God's kingdom. That's where their true citizenship lies. And, and so they're, they're able to hold the things of this world loosely, 
And so this should challenge us to pray differently. We should pray, Lord, use us, not Lord, preserve us. Right? Pray, Lord, use us, not Lord, preserve us. And I, I believe if we begin praying that way, intentionally praying that way, we'll begin living differently. If we're praying, Lord, use us, we're going to be more intentional. We're going to have our eyes more focused on, on the needs and the, and the hurting people, more focused on others than our own, our own selves. We'll see people who are hurting and lost, and, and we'll, we'll begin to engage with them and, and remember that we're called to love them and be bold witnesses, share the good news and, and share a testimony, just be their friend. Also, we'll get to see God work and move it if we begin to pray this way. Right? We'll, 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 if, we're pray, if, you're, if you're praying for people who are sick or hurting or lost, and you begin to be, be able to see God moving and working. Because God is already moving and working. But when your eyes are praying intentionally, you're, I mean, you're, you're praying intentionally for, for others and for God to move and for lives to be transformed and people to be saved, then we'll know what happens is you begin to see that. And sometimes it's because of what you're doing, how you're living, but it's also just because you're, you're looking. You're looking for those things. And so I'd encourage you to pray this way. Lord, use us. Lord, use us. Not Lord, preserve us. Verse 31. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. You see this strange phenomenon happening here, right? Where this place is shaken and, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And you might ask, well, why are they filled with the Spirit? And that doesn't make sense. Didn't they just have Pentecost? Haven't they been filled with the Spirit already? Well, what's going on? Does the Spirit leave and, and come back and just kind of go back and forth? And, and I just want you to know that's not the case. At conversion, where the Scriptures teach us that the Spirit indwells a believer, and, and the Spirit never leaves us. Nothing can separate us from God. But this idea of the filling of the Spirit, if you go read the book of Luke, and in Acts, you see this, this pattern. They're both written by, by Luke, by the way. Uh, you'll see this pattern where we see people filled with the Spirit, and then immediately they begin to boldly speak and proclaim the Word of God, or, or they're equipped to, to uh, obey God in, in the midst of difficulty. So if you, if you look at back into the book of Luke, you'll see Simeon at the temple with Jesus. He's filled with the Spirit, and he prophesies. Or you'll see Zechariah. Filled with the Spirit, and he, he proclaims the, the, the word of the Lord, he sings his song. Or you'll see Jesus, before he goes off to the 40 days in the wilderness, he's filled with the Spirit to, to speak against Satan's lies, but also to, to obey God in the midst of that difficulty and not, not fall into those temptations. Later on in the book of Acts, you're going to see uh, Stephen, this young Stephen, who, who boldly proclaims the word of God as he's being stoned to death. So the filling of the Spirit is not the Spirit coming and leaving and coming and going. It's like this extra measure of the Holy Spirit for bold witness and, and obedience in the midst of, of difficult trial. And that's what they're praying for. And that's what God gives them. They're, they're filled with the Spirit so that they can continue to, to, to preach with boldness. And, that, and that's what we, we see continues... To, on as we even look into this, the, the following weeks, as they're filled with the Spirit for bold witness. 
And so that's a good thing to pray for. God, fill me with your spirit. Help me. I'm in this difficulty. I'm in this trial. I don't know how to obey you. I don't know, I don't know how to share the gospel with this guy. You know, fill me with your spirit. Help me. I need you. That's what they're praying. So just a couple of highlights, some important elements of their prayer. And I want to encourage you to incorporate these into your prayer. Incorporate these things. One, you see it's corporate. Typically when we think we just got to pray and go off alone, but that is good. You should pray individually, but you should also pray corporately. You should gather with other believers. And I love that you guys are doing this, this women's ministry. You should gather with other men or other women, and, and you need to pray. Pray together. Share your, your fears and anxiety. Take them to the Lord. All right. Other thing, you see that they're most, more focused on praise and worshiping God for who he is than human requests and needs. So when you pray, just praise and worship God. Remember his attributes. Remember how great and glorious and good and gracious he is. Remember that he's king. Remember he's sovereign Lord. Remember those things. Scripture repeatedly, the scriptures just say, remember, remember. You see, their prayers were full of scripture. They're using the promises in God's word to guide them in their prayer. When you pray, open the scriptures to guide you. Maybe Sometimes you don't even know what to pray. Maybe you're, you just feel so anxious, so, so fearful, you don't even know what to pray. Well, open up the scriptures and, and read them and respond to what God says there. Use the scriptures to guide your prayer. Another thing is it's focus on God's mission of being witnesses and God granting them boldness. So focus, pray. And when you pray, pray for bold witness. Pray for God to continue to work. And then you have your eyes open to see what, what God's going to do around you and through you. Pray for bold witness. And the last thing about this prayer is it, it sought the presence of God, not just a change in circumstances. And I think the closer, the closer you get to God, the, the more your fear goes away. I want to tell you a story before I end. So when I was a, a kid, like I said, there was a bunch of bullies in my neighborhood. And one day I'm out in my front yard, and this kid named Dewey rides up on his bike and rides up on me. Right, gets up in my face. I call him Doofy, but Dewey gets in my face, and he's trying to punk me out and scare me in my front yard. And I'll admit, I was scared. I wasn't a big fighter when I was a kid. But now, I'm, I'm a big fighter now. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but, so I was, I was scared. He was talking, talking junk to me. And my mom came out. As soon as my mom got, came out, and my chest got a little, I got a little tougher all of a sudden. And my mom started telling this kid, who are you, kid? You know, what, what do you think you're going to do to my son? Look, he's way bigger than you. And, it was, and I look at him, and I was like, oh, wow, it is true. This guy was little. I was, I was taller than him. And, so I started feeling tougher and stronger all of a sudden. I was like, yeah, that's right. I am bigger than you. But as, as my mom was near me, I started getting this boldness and confidence. The fear went away, and this kid saw it, and he rode off on his bike, and he never messed with me again. Never messed with me again. And that's how it is with God. The closer you get to the Lord, the more your fear goes away. Right? If you're going to be a bold effective witness if you're going to love people you're going to have to draw near to god it can happen it's not going to happen anywhere any other way it's not going to happen for for reading the the latest book that someone put out there 
or a blog or listening. I mean, it's going to happen not even from listening to a sermon. It's going to happen from you drawing close to the sovereign Lord and finding comfort in him and meeting him there. And he'll meet you there. So let me pray. Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, whether, uh, whether people are here that are, are believers or unbelievers, whether they know you, Lord, or not, I pray that they would draw near to you, Lord. Some for salvation and, and transformation in their life, Lord, and for healing, and, and others for, and all of us for bold, effective witness to help us to not be anxious, but to trust you and know you and, and experience the comfort that comes from your sovereignty and your power. Help us, Lord. Help, help Redemption Flagstaff be bold witnesses, Lord, wherever they are in their, their workplace or, or, or the EMTs and firefighters and police officers, teachers, everyone to be bold, effective witnesses, to, to love their neighbor, to love people no matter what, what side of, of politics they're standing on. Help them to love each other, as I'm sure many of them disagree with each other. Help them look to you together. Use them, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.